Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Morning. Thank you for joining us. Three Women, Three Ways. We're the radio show that talks about women's issues, particularly violence against women, which sounds a little dull, but it's not at all. And uh, we actually have a really rousing time sometimes talking about it. I think one of those times is going to be today. I have with me Amanda Hess, who is a freelance reporter and uh, a rather high-powered one, if I must say so myself. She has uh, written for a number of publications, including Slate, uh, which is uh, uh, an, uh, an online magazine that I go to frequently. Um, I find it uh, modern and interesting and well-written. So <laughs> even though even though I'm technically an old fart, Amanda, I, I do enjoy reading this place. <laughs> well, thank Tell you so much for having me. Tell us uh, a little bit about you and uh, what are some of the topics that you write about. Um, so I'm a freelancer. I'm based in Los Angeles. Um, and for the last, I would say, five years, I've really focused my career on writing about sex and sexuality and gender issues. Um, I started at the Washington City Paper, which is an alt-weekly in D.C., um, and now I am a contributor at Slate, and I also write for places like Wired, L, New York Magazine, Los Angeles Times, uh, anywhere I can really get my hands on. <laughs> and I enjoy reading your articles really a lot. Thank um, you so much. Yeah, well, I, you know, I like I, I said, I, I'm uh, really in, into um, these kinds of um, uh, issues uh, about women and uh, especially uh, assault or violence against women. Recently, like earlier this week, there uh -huh. was an article uh, in Slate by Emily Yaffe, who wasn't available to be with us today, unfortunately. And Emily Yaffe wrote an article titled, College Women, Stop Getting Drunk. It's closely associated with sexual assault, and yet we're reluctant to tell women to stop doing it. And um, this article created a huge firestorm of response in the media. And, um, you know, I'm kind of mixed on it. I mean, uh, as I mentioned off the air, Amanda, I'm, I'm, I'm a feminist. I consider myself uh, fairly uh, uh, aware and um, uh, looking at these issues from a feminist standpoint, and uh, yet I'm mixed on what Emily Yaffe wrote. Um, mm -hmm. Let me just talk uh, to the uh, audience a little bit about what she wrote, okay? And there's some highlights here. And she said, uh, in one awful high-profile case after another, and she names a few, we read about a young woman, sometimes only a girl, who goes to a party and ends up being raped. And a common denominator in these cases is alcohol, often copious amounts, enough to render the young woman incapacitated. But a misplaced fear of blaming the victim has made it somehow unacceptable to warn inexperienced young women that when they get wasted, they're putting themselves in potential peril. There, was a lot, there were a lot of articles responding to this. One of them was an article by Ann Friedman, um, who wrote uh, that uh, it, um, that, well, basically she objected to this. And she said very few uh, rapes are ever reported to authorities, and mo which is true, like 95% of rapes are never reported to authorities. And of those that are reported, only a tiny fraction actually end up with somebody going to jail. She also cites the Campus Sexual Assault Study of 2007, uh, that's done by the Department of Justice, that uh, the popular belief that many young rape victims have been slipped date rape drugs is false, 
most sexual the report says most sexual assaults occur after voluntary consumption of alcohol by the victim and assailant and uh the report continues to say this does not uh, get communicated to young men um so hmm okay um <laughs> you know uh and then another article that i found absolutely fascinating was one by for Jezebel um and um it was written by Erin Gloria Ryan and i think her um title says it all how to write about rape prevention without sounding like an asshole and she <laughs> challenges uh Emily Yaffe um that uh you know this this assumption that you know warning women to stop drinking is you know a uh, um uh, a faulty assumption and then we had your article, similarly uh, taking Emily Yaffe to task. And uh, again, I want to read just a little bit um, from yours. My colleague Emily Yaffe wrote in Slate on Tuesday about the alarming frequency of a certain sad news story. A young woman, sometimes only a girl, goes to a party and ends up being rape, raped, and that she continues to tell young women to stop drinking so much. And uh, you said rape is a society problem, not a self-help issue. Tell us what you meant. Um, well, I think there's this sort of assumption in Emily's piece. And first of all, I want to say I'm a huge fan of Emily's, and I have a great deal of respect for her as a writer and a human, um, which is part of why I was so disappointed in this story, um, because I think what it does is takes an issue that will really require change on the level of our entire society and then, you know, in terms of campus rapes and on the level of a campus community, and it makes it a problem for individual women. So it says, you know, rape is a huge problem that's going to take, you know, an in extreme amount of effort and time for us to solve, but that you can stop it tomorrow by just not drinking so much. Um, and I think there are just a huge number of problems with putting that uh, onus on women uh, to prevent rapes. The first of which is that I'm not sure there's any evidence that it actually reduces the number of rapes that happen in the United States. Well, you can't argue, can you, that when people get drunk, they lose inhibitions, both men and women? You could argue that. Um I mean, I think sort of one of the problems is we're we're talking about a society that that has a huge number of its social and sort of romantic scripts that are written around alcohol. This is not just yeah. true of college students. Uh, mm-hmm. So when you talk about sort of the number of rapes that happen after the rapist or the victim have been drinking, you know, think about the number of dates that don't end in rapes where both parties have been drinking, the number of office Christmas parties where people have been drinking, you know, the number of um, networking happy hours where people have been drinking. Um, Mm -hmm. And so if we really, you know, if we want to address this issue that drinking in excess can lead to, you know, social ills, which it clearly can, um, I don't think we're going to do that by telling individual women to stop drinking because what that says is that you know, until we solve this rape thing, you can't be a, a fully functioning member of society. You have to segregate yourself from these male spaces where, by the way, men can do whatever they want. They can get as drunk as they want to. Um, and in doing so, they create friendships. They create sort of networks that will later uh, lead to careers. And you have to stay out of that because you need to live your life in fear of being raped, which I think is unreasonable. It's an unreasonable request. Amanda, we have a caller, and uh, we would love to have more callers. Our phone number is 646-378-0430. Caller, are you there? Hello, caller? Hello? Hello? Yeah. Hello. Um, if you are using a speakerphone, we need you to use the the, uh, the handheld piece instead of the speaker. Are you there? Yeah, just a second. got to get it off the speaker, I guess. Okay, yeah. <laughs> am I on? There, now our voice, yeah. your voice quality sounds much better. So thank you for joining yeah. us. 
and um, we are talking about women, alcohol, and uh, rape. Do you have some comments to add? Yes. I think alcohol, well, obviously does play a huge part in all sorts of things, violence against women, violence against men, car accidents, um, and rape. And one of the things we can do is encourage young women to drink responsibly. I see nothing wrong with sending your daughter off to college and saying, you know, I know you're going to drink, you're going to go to parties, but getting drunk is a dangerous thing to happen, whether it's rape, getting run over by a car as you're drunkenly crossing the street, tripping on the curb, smashing your head on the pavement, and killing yourself. Drinking increases dangerous activity and dangerous consequences. And yes, it's a society problem, which is huge. But if we wait until all those things are solved, then we'll never have any any results. I mean, one small thing, one small step can be young women, please drink responsibly. And we can't control that men don't drink responsibly, that they're horned toads um, and irresponsible sexual beings when they're, they're that age. We can't control that. We can only control our own behavior. And one of the things we can do is to not drink as much. I was eight Amanda? when I was eight. Yeah. Let, well, let me I have was, Amanda respond here for yeah. a minute. Yeah. I think Amanda? it's really damaging. Um, so on the one hand, you're saying we can control our daughters, uh, but we can't control our sons, which I think you is know, really... No, we can control ourselves, I'm saying. Our daughters can control themselves. Right. I'm not and saying so can I our can sons. So can our sons, and I agree with you that it's, you know, that there's a huge societal problem with young people drinking. I don't see how it's in any way preferable to sort of segregate the messages that we're giving to young boys and to young girls. I think it's really important that when we're sort of teaching our kids how to be productive members of society, that we understand that this is a society that's where men and women are equal, and they have a shared responsibility of course. to I'm not watch out for themselves and each other. I'm not well, this saying is not sort of one of the that. problems with the original piece is that it is focused specifically on telling you not to drink and sort of assuming that if we tell women not to drink, eventually this message will trickle Hello? down to college men as well, which is not the case. Hello? Yeah, can you go ahead, so think, caller? You know, it's really important to share that message sort of between both men and women at the same time. Yeah. Caller, do you have any comment? Are you still there, caller? Okay, I think we've lost our show. Pardon? No, I think we lost our caller here. But, Amanda, thank you uh, for that response. And I must say, I feel mixed on this. Um, I feel that, um, you know, like the caller does, that we have to have, you know, take responsibility for making our own environment as safe as we can. You know, we have the responsibility for fastening our seatbelts, and that eliminates a certain amount of risk. We have responsibility Mm -hmm. for, you know, getting medical care, which eliminates, you know, a certain amount of danger to us. So why wouldn't we have the responsibility to minimize the danger to ourselves by, as the caller said, drinking responsibly. Are you there, Amanda? Amanda, are you there? Hello? Hello, Amanda, are you there? Amanda, are you there? Can you hear me? I think we're losing our caller. Oh, no. Um, Let me try flicking the mic a little bit. Okay. All right. Amanda, are you there? Oh gosh, we have hi. Um, we have Hello. A hi, are you? Hey, can you hear me, you Amanda? Cut, yeah, I'm sorry, you keep cutting out. Um, okay. Uh, but on the are you on a cell phone? Yeah. Are you on a cell phone? Yeah. <laughs> That's you know, harder. typical so. young person. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what uh, we have to uh, usually the cell phones don't provide as good an audio connection um, and, yeah. and uh, effect. So if you're on a cell phone. Find a spot where we're getting good reception and stay there for a while. <laughs> you okay. may not move. Um, yeah. I just okay. So on the issue of personal responsibility, I mean, I think 
what we have to understand here is that there are some things for which we are primarily responsible, and then there are some things uh, which are shared social responsibility and also are felonies. Uh, you can sort of compare this to drunk driving, I think, uh, where okay. even if we buckle our seatbelts um, and we drive down the road knowing that some people are out of control and they're drunk, uh, yeah. it's not our responsibility to you know, not drive because some people have been drinking. It's our sort of social responsibility to make sure that the penalties are high enough for drunk driving uh, that we can sort of deter uh, the criminals from, from, you know, engaging in that crime. And that's been sort of a really successful strategy over the past few decades. Okay. I think that's a good analogy. I think that's a good analogy. But Getting back to my seatbelt analogy, analogy. Okay, we're not telling, um, uh, we're not saying we can't drive because somebody else might, you know, be um, reckless or drunk, but we are minimizing our risk by fastening seatbelts and you know that kind of thing, uh, driving defensively. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't this be, um, I don't know, drinking defensively for women? Um, yeah, I mean. I think the for women part is one of the biggest problems. I mean, you know, okay, first yeah. of all, I think we should say that it's not just women who are raped. Um, I think, you know, rape is a a crime of power. And so anyone who is sort of less powerful in a society is more likely to experience it, which is why, you know, on campuses you have a lot of LGBT people as well who, are, who become victims of rape. Um, and so... When we're talking about this culture of drinking, there was a 2012 study um, that sort of analyzed the culture of binge drinking on college campuses. And what it found was that the people who are in control of this culture are the people who have more power on campus anyway. So they are white, male, uh, higher income, Greek-affiliated people, um, and they're more likely to drink. Uh, And they're also more likely to be happy. Uh, and oh. so with this researcher, yeah, I mean, imagine that, that if you have a lot of yeah. power on campus, you're kind of a happier person. And what they found is that sort of lower status people, in order to gain access to this, um, you know, more positive sort of social group, would drink as well. Uh, and so I think there are, you know, in, our, in the way that our society is made right now, there are there are huge incentives to women sort of engaging in a male-dominated culture because they really have to in order to sort of have friends and to mm-hmm. get jobs. Um, yeah. There's not, you know, a big problem with with wearing a seatbelt. <laughs> it's a yeah. pretty small ask, I think, for people. Yeah, yeah uh, I, I don't think what wearing asking, a seatbelt is ever going to get anybody a promotion. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's not really a problem to wear a seatbelt. Um, and so I think... It's more sort of saying, you know, if you don't want to, and also a seatbelt is not going to protect you necessarily from a drunk driver. So it's more like saying, you know, just stay off the road, which is what we've mm-hmm. sort of always told women in order to protect themselves. Uh, you know, if you're a victim of domestic violence, like why don't you just leave Please, your yeah. husband, you know? Uh, why don't you not sort of wear provocative skirts? Why did yeah. you walk away? Yeah, exactly. Well, we've—I think we've kind of gotten away from the, uh, at least outwardly, um, uh, 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 outwardly verbalized assumption that a woman has to restrict where she goes and she has to restrict what she wears, or it's her fault that she got raped. What did she expect? Um, we've mm-hmm. kind of moved past that, uh, at least you know, uh, on the surface. I, I imagine there are still a number of people that quietly think that to themselves. But um, right. the idea of right. using alcohol, um, you know, as our caller said, there are so many problems associated with that. We can't control um, what other people do, but we can control what we we do with ourselves. And um, I think that you that... You know, I think that's actually a bit of a... That's sort of a strange argument because you and I are sort of talking on the radio to a host of other people who we are, we're trying to influence them, right? So yep. Emily Yaffe is not writing this article saying, well, I'm not going to drink because that will help me not get raped. She's saying all women, which is a huge, huge group of people, you know, should 
curtail their drinking for this purpose, which means that we do think that we can influence other people, but we just tend to think that we can influence women and not men. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, but in all fairness, we're addressing women today, and we have other shows where we've addressed men. Um, and I disagree with Emily Yaffe. I mean, she uh, talked about uh, that she has a son as well, and this 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 part of her article just incensed me. And she mentioned she kind of, kind of throws it in afterwards. Uh, the gist of her article, that she also uh, advises her college-age son to watch his drinking and not get drunk, lest he find himself accused of raping mm-hmm. uh, some woman. Um, mm-hmm. I, did you catch that part of it? Of I her did. Article? <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah. kind of like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I have a daughter and a son, and I believe that when I was talking to my son or on the occasions when I've talked to my son, I've said, don't drink because you might do something that you'll regret later. Um, and you increase the likelihood of doing something you will regret later uh, if you consume a lot of alcohol. Um, it never once occurred to me to tell him to not do it in order to protect himself from false allegations. Uh. <laughs> right, and I think also this conversation that focuses really specifically on potential perpetrators and potential victims really sort of leaves out the role of everyone else in society, which is sort of the majority of people, who yep. I think, you know, both college men and college women have a huge investment in making sure that their friends are not hurt. I think we're really doing a disservice mm-hmm. to college students by sort of assuming that they're unfeeling or that they're not, they don't have sort of a community investment in this, which I think a lot of people do. Um, mm-hmm. And that was sort of one of the saddest things about the story is that she quotes an educator who says, basically, it's not the role of colleges to crack down on perpetrators. College is a place where you're supposed to learn to take care of yourself. And while I agree that that's true, I think it's also a place where we sort of teach young people how to be productive members of a society and not just sort of self-serving individuals. Uh, And so that's why I think it's, like, so important to focus also on the role of friends and bystanders in, you know, making sure that everyone is healthy and happy. Okay. Um, I don't know whether... um, I, I try to read all sorts of publications in preparation for my show and also just because... I like to learn what everybody has to say. And there was an article in the Huffington Post that said, again, in response to this, um, that said um, that, um, gosh, who said this? Uh, Attorney uh, Joseph DiBenedetto uh, was on a Fox News uh, report show. And he's saying... um, I'm not saying... I'm not saying she deserved to be raped... But knowing the facts as we do there are uh, here, including what the prosecutor set forth, this case is going nowhere and it's going nowhere quick. Um, now, he's referring to another situation where uh, presumably alcohol was involved, and it's a story about a Missouri teenager, just 14, who uh, went out with a friend. Um, she, there was drinking involved. Now, whether she intended to drink or not is a whole different matter. She was uh, totally incapacitated. She was uh, allegedly... Uh, passed around and then dumped on her mother's lawn uh, in the middle of the the early morning hours where it was very cold. And um, basically the town, uh, the the teenager reported the rape and uh, accused one of the star little athletes in that town. And um, it was basically dropped uh, for for that athlete, and nothing has occurred to him yet. Um, but the thing that I'm bringing that up about is because of the attitude of this gentleman who is quoted, an attorney who was quoted, and he says, I'm not saying she deserves to be raped, but, but. Right. <laughs> and everything before that but can sort of be disregarded when you sort of frame it that way, yeah. I exactly. mean, yeah, I, I think this is one of the really important points about the whole conversation about drinking. Um, That girl actually just recently, she wrote a very powerful essay. Um, I believe it was published yesterday where she talked about her experience and the the reactions that she's gotten since then. Um, And she did sort of, so she and her friends, remember they're 14 years old, they snuck out of their house 
uh, and went to hang out with friends of her brother, so people who she knew personally and trusted. Um, and they sort of provided her with a huge amount of alcohol. They asked her to drink, I think it was five shots at one time. And what she said was, you know, these boys knew what that what would happen next, what that would do to me, and I and I didn't know. Um, but I think sort of what you see with the reaction to her case and the role of alcohol is that alcohol is not just something that sort of affects you on a biological level that, you know, affects your body and your brain. It's also something that people use against victims to totally discount their stories. And I think that's one thing that's not sort of going to be changed by just taking bottles out of people's hands, but making sure that, you know, it's it's not used as, as an excuse. Because I think, you know, that's one reason why rapists use alcohol is because they feel that on a societal level they can get away um, with crimes that are committed in that way. Yes. Um, it is often, as a matter of fact, um, years and years and decades ago, uh, drunk drivers didn't face a whole lot of consequences because mm-hmm. it was assumed that they were incapacitated and it wasn't something that they did on purpose. So if they were drunk, it was actually an excuse for having an accident. Um, right. Yeah, so, um, you know, our societal attitudes change about a lot of things, but apparently it hasn't changed a whole lot about uh, women and drinking and uh, rape. Right. I think sort of the other piece there is that when we instruct women specifically that if they drink, you know, that they are putting themselves at risk for rape, um, or if they don't drink, that they are effectively protecting themselves from rape, it can really have an effect after someone is is assaulted um, in encouraging her to blame herself, which is, you know, a huge problem among victims in general. Um, And I'd also say that, you know, rape in the United States, uh, while binge drinking is, you know, more popular than ever, uh, rape has decreased in the United States since the 1980s. Um, And so this idea that sort of like it's only now with women drinking so much that this is becoming a problem is is not the case. I think victims have always been discounted, they've always been shamed, um, and alcohol is just sort of the new thing that we're focusing on to like really take the focus off of this larger social problem. I think you're right. I agree with you there. Um, there was a 2009 study, wait a minute, this is a 2009 or 2006, um, uh, in uh, the journal Social Problems, and it was sponsored by the National Institute of Justice. And they found that college rape has actually increased, um, uh, and they are, uh, in this study, they are uh, talking about different approaches to college sexual assault. And um, they mention that... Uh, um, hostility toward women and acceptance of verbal pressure um, is a, a way that often leads to rape. They don't mention alcohol. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, you know, I would say, and this is true in, in the case of my own life, um, a lot of times when we talk about sort of rapes involving alcohol, um there are many shades of that. So there are some cases where women are assaulted when they are unconscious, when they're passed out. Um, But there are other cases where, you know, the idea that alcohol is involved is really sort of one of the more minor ways that the rapist is sort of using his power over someone uh, in order to take something from them. Um, And so in a lot of these cases, even though people have been drinking. Um, I think there's just this sort of huge culture of fear and self-shaming and also, you know, the confusion of trusting people because many of these rapes are, you know, occurring among friends, people who we thought we knew and trusted. And that's really sort of a much more present fear and danger uh, than just the presence of alcohol. Um, so while it sort of plays a role, I think it can be overemphasized. Oh. Um, I want to throw out here two phone numbers. One is the phone number for calling us. We'd love to have you join this conversation. The number is 
646-378-0430. That's 646-378-0430. And the other is the National Sexual Assault Hotline, 1-800-656-HOPE. And uh, that's uh, produced by uh, an organization called RAIN, which I find um, very knowledgeable and very helpful uh, in a number of issues for women, especially with sexual assault. So that's 1-800-656-HOPE. And, um, you know, hopefully uh, if you are listening to this or if this uh, happens to you, you have resources out there to help you. And um, I agree 100% with you, Amanda, that... The aftermath of rape is sometimes, well, it's often the absolute worst thing that can happen because there's so much victim blaming, there's so much self-blame, um, and, and it, it can be just a horrible, horrible, life-changing um, situation for women. Um, so what do, what do we do about this? <laughs> um, that's an excellent question. Uh, one of the sort of interesting things I think about Emily's piece is that she does interview several women who have been assaulted um, after drinking. And one of the women that she speaks with says, you know, she had this experience where she had been drinking. Um, you know, uh, she a friend came into her dorm room. She woke up with her clothes on inside out. Uh, and she had a great deal of confusion and shame about that incident. Um, and But when she sort of started talking about it, what she found was that this was a guy who was known for doing this on campus. So he was sort of known for preying on women, which is what we sort of know um, from research about who rapists tend to be, where most rapes are uh, perpetrated by a, a really small group of predators. Um, and so I thought it was interesting that Emily took this story and said, you know, this is a case where not drinking alcohol could have prevented this rape from happening, when really if we are sort of emboldened and encouraged by our campus community to identify these, these men, we're not just going to prevent one rape, we're going to prevent all of the rapes that this person, um, you know, enforces on this campus for four years. Um, so I think really sort of both stepping up our, uh, pros- our campus prosecution processes would be really helpful. Um, but also in terms of like educating young people, you know, even just talking about these things in a public setting I think can be really helpful and really sort of focusing not just on victims and perpetrators but on all of the other people on campus who are extremely instrumental in getting sort of victims to be comfortable talking about it. So this is one of the things that we don't really talk about is that in order for women to be comfortable, uh, you know, identifying perpetrator and talking about their own rape, they need this yep. entire campus community to be people who are open to hearing that and who are not sort of either confused or uneducated about rape um, or who are going to actively sort of shame her for it. Um, and so that's one place where I think, you know, greater education of our kids and our students could be really helpful. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure that most campuses have um, some sort of resources for victims, even if it's the Women's Center or whatever, some place that they can start um, to get assistance in this. Um, But generally, colleges do not have a real good record on dealing with campus rape. No, and there's been a huge number of cases even in the past couple of years, um, which is something that actually... You know, I graduated from college in 2007, and this is not really a a big conversation even five years ago. Um, And one of the sort of interesting things about that is that there was a story in the New York Times about some of these sort of recent grassroots activism campaigns among women to hold their schools accountable for the sexual assaults that happen on campus and the reason that they're sort of able to all kind of engage in this activism now is that the internet exists um, and so you know college groups are learning about 
uh, action campaigns that are happening at other colleges. They're able to sort of easily contact each other and share their resources. Uh, whereas previously, you know, if you were going to school at Stanford, you may never hear about something that happens at Yale. And even if you do, you know, how are you going to be able to sort of contact that person? Um, and so I think that's that's been a really positive uh, aspect of change that's happened even in just the past five years. Um, one of the things that I did a show on not too long ago was the uh, college response to rape. And there's actually been some pretty alarming uh, situations with campuses. There was a, a campus uh, in Los Angeles that decided that rape was going to be rolled into another uh, category uh, instead of being mm -hmm. uh, considered separately as uh, rape. They were going to roll it in with something else uh, to kind of water down the response and to water down the, um, I guess, the notoriety of having rapes on mm -hmm. campuses. Uh, there have yeah. been campuses there have been campuses back east and I believe Harvard is one of them where they basically have come through and said, Well, you know, rape is no longer a crime, it's uh it's um um you know, a, a personal um thing it's a personal thing and and we don't have to really consider that as a, as a separate assault we don't really categorize it as a uh crime as such as as anything major have you uh seen some of these reports i i didn't pull them i wish i had but um, um i uh, yeah i think there are a few sort of typical responses one is that you know we colleges might say you know we shouldn't be the ones who are investigating a crime it should be local law enforcement who are doing that, um, which I think is a convenient way to uh, basically shirk their responsibility under the law, under Title IX, to prevent discrimination from women on campus, which includes uh, sexual assault. Um, so do you see that as a good you, thing? Do I see it as a good thing? Um, I mean, I think, you know, ideally a sexual assault on campus would be um, reported to local law enforcement, but also investigated and prosecuted by the college, which it's you know legally required to do. Um, I've seen some other cases of this. There is one. I wrote a story about uh, Catholic University, which is um, you know a Catholic university that's based in Washington D.C. Um, and for a long time, sort of until I wrote this story, they had a blanket ban on all sexual contact on campus. Uh, so students were not allowed to have sex with each other. Um, and that sort of included rape. So they were really sort of equating consensual sex with rape. Um, and then, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that that year they had a, a huge high-profile rape case on campus where a girl was assaulted by four boys um, and the school, you know, predictably did not sort of deal with it very well. Um, they were just sort of interested in um, downplaying any manner of sexual contact that happened on their campus. Um, and so I think one of the good things about all of these um, campaigns coming out of different colleges around the country is that it's not just focused on one school anymore. So you can't say, oh, you know, Yale has a big problem with rape, because I think we're starting to understand that every college across America has a big problem with rape. Um, and so hopefully it becomes less of a PR issue um, and more of sort of, you know, a human issue that they can sort of deal with openly without feeling like it will impact enrollment or whatever they had been worried about before. No. Um, when uh, colleges respond to rape situations, um, the response is usually fairly minimal. Um, and uh, the... Do you think the response will be different if, if the uh, campus police quit uh, and an institution quit handling rape and just turned it over to local police departments? Um, no. Uh, well, so the difference between campus police and local police, mm -hmm. I think they tend... Uh, I can't really speak to it. I know in some cases that I know of from when I was in college that 
sort of crimes that were reported to campus police, if they were serious, like a felony, like a rape, would be then sort of turned over to the uh, D.C. Police Department in my case. Um, but, you know, there, no matter how the local police are dealing with it, and many women are not sort of comfortable or encouraged to report crimes to police, um, colleges are just legally required to investigate rapes on their campus and to make sure that they are not sort of allowing rapists to flourish there. Because, you know, if they do, as we know, it's um, something that really impacts women's ability to gain an education, which is yeah. illegal. Um, so I think it's really sort of two separate issues. Okay. All right. So um, wh- why do you have this big interest in, in um, uh, rape and drinking and all that? Is it just because you're a woman <laughs> like all of us, or is it because you have um, a particular interest? Well, I think, you know, it's true that women tend to be more likely to sort of research and write about issues of sexuality in general and specifically uh, crimes against women, which I think is a problem. Um, I think it would be just such a great thing for humanity if we sort of had more men invest in these things. Mm -hmm. Um, For me personally, uh, I mean, I have been raped, um, and I've found it sort of really helpful um, to write through those issues and to sort of understand what happened and to meet other people who've had the same experiences as me. That's been sort of one of my great joys, as strange as it sounds, about writing about rape on the Internet is that I've sort of been able to find a community of people um, who have gone through a similar experience to me. Um, I also just sort of tend to focus on younger people, um, and uh, so... It's interesting to me sort of how ancient arguments about, you know, how women should control their Are you body saying my argument is ancient? <laughs> I'm not saying that yours is. I think maybe Emily's might be. But, you know, as you're saying, these are arguments that have been around for a really long time, which is that women should sort of control themselves in order to prevent themselves from being raped. And yeah. so I'm sort of specifically interested in how those are translated um, well, I think socially, women are, are women are reared and have been for generations with the assumption that anything, any kind of relationship, whether it be a healthy one, an, uh, an assaultive one, whatever, any kind of relationship is the woman's responsibility. I always yeah. say, you know, that the day I see Sports Illustrated with an article, cover, you know, an article on the cover saying, you know, fifty-five ways to make your woman happy. Um, then mm-hmm. I'll think that there's some equality out there. But women see it as yeah. a problem because it is a problem. Men see, don't see it as a problem, so why would men spend time, you know, looking at this? Um, right. So it, um, it I makes... mean, yeah, and there's sort of these really competing messages that women are given, which is one that, you know, men are potentially very scary and they can abuse you and they can rape you. And also mm-hmm. we're sort of told to find all of our worth in, like, getting a man. Um, which is a very confusing sort of thing to navigate. Um, But I also think that, you know, when you look at women's magazines and men's magazines, these are sort of spaces that are really uh, gender segregated based on commerce. So uh, these are magazines that exist to sort of fill ads that are targeted specifically at men and women. And as we know, sort of women are sort of encouraged to buy a lot more things than men are in general. And I Mm -hmm. think that's why some of the content in them tends to be so bottom of the barrel uh, is that there's this sort of greater emphasis on selling things to women. Um, And there's sort of less of a burden for huge magazine conglomerates to like sell things to men. Um, If we sort of look outside of these really super gendered structures, I think there's so much that men and women have in common. And if you look at like real life, like if I look at my real life, you know, my groups of friends and sort of the relationships that I that I find myself in are just filled with, like, thoughtful men who also want to be equal with women. And sometimes, you know, there are conversations that take, like, a little bit more time to uh, explain to them because they haven't sort of thought about some of the same things that I have my entire life. 
Um, but there are so many men who are really open to being invested in these issues. Um, and so it's important that we not only sort of not group women in a certain way and tell them what to do, but also not stereotype men. Because I think it's becoming more and more accessible to involve them in these conversations. Yeah. As a response to, again, Emily Offie's article, I, I, I hope that this has uh, improved her career. I, I hope that, you know, <laughs> all of this uh, blowback from her article is actually going to be helpful to her because I think her heart was in a good place. Um, yeah. But this article is by, gosh, who's it by? Well, I don't see an author. Um, it was on... Um, Isn't this terrible? I don't have an, uh, a reference for this. Um, oh, here we go. Kate McDonough um, uh, from Salon. She wrote, I thought, a very thoughtful response to Emily Yaffe. Um, and her, uh, basically her uh, gist of her article is that there is a rape culture out there. And I think she gives a really good synopsis. Um, Richard Cohen and Concerned Women for America have both cited Miley Cyrus's recent embrace of tongue-wagging and half-shirts as a reason that teenage football players rape unconscious 16-year-olds. A judge in Montana <laughs> declared a 14-year-old rape victim older than her chronological age and said she was as much in control of the crime committed against her as her 49-year-old assailant. A 14-year-old cheerleader in Missouri is allegedly raped and abandoned outside her by her alleged rapist, wearing only a pair of sweatpants and a T-shirt on a freezing morning. And Yaffe points to the girl's consumption of a big glass of clear liquid as the real problem in need of addressing. This is the very definition of rape culture, and it is so completely tired. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think anybody could say it better. Um, by the way, uh, last week we had our show uh, with Montana, the president of Montana's now, who has actually filed uh, legal action to try to get the judge uh, in that Montana case uh, disciplined and off the bench. So if anybody's interested in, in hearing that, you can go to our archives and listen to that particular program. Um, that's just a little bit of an aside. Sorry sorry there, <laughs> Amanda. <laughs> but I <laughs> Yeah, this, no, that's this, a... Right, that's a. It's very well stated. Um, yeah. And sort of points to how we, why it's so important to like focus this conversation on all humans, yeah. uh, because no one, you know, I I want to say that no one really wants this to happen, um, and that we all are invested in ending rape against women and all people. Um, but some of the subtext of the way we talk about it tends to not to not feel that way. Yeah, well, I read an article uh, about this poor little Missouri girl, and the very last paragraph of the article quoted her alleged rapist, who has Mm -hmm. been let go. Uh, They're not going to pursue him anymore unless public uh, uproar... you know, moves the uh, prosecutor's office some more. But the last paragraph of this article was a quote from this uh, supposed assailant who said, girls love me. I, um, uh, you know, girls always want to be around me. It was very, a very cocky and um, um, entitled kind of response. And I just wanted to reach through the newsprint and smack him. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and for a I person mean, who's very anti-violence, wow. you know, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> just because I wanted to doesn't yeah. mean I would. Um, yeah, I but, mean, and I think that's sort of one of the ways there's this idea that rapists are uh, monsters. Um, they're people who can't get sex in any other way, which is totally <laughs> false. Um, yeah. And so, and this rapist apparently believes that so much that he feels entitled to rape people. Um, so... That's you know it's important that we sort of challenge our ideas uh, about that and sort of you know this is one of the problems with Emily sort of framing her son as a potential person who's falsely accused because obviously our sons all of our you know wonderful sons would never do this and as it turns out some sons yep do this so yep. Uh, unfortunately, they do, and it's been with us throughout history. And I, I guess one of the reasons that I felt so shocked in reading that young man's response was not only his cockiness, but also the fact that in this day and age, still we're raising boys to have that kind of an attitude. Um, mm-hmm. 
it's so so disappointing to me um yeah i mean one of the things that i think is so difficult about this is that even as women are becoming more equal in so many ways you know graduating from college at greater rates um are entering the workforce sort of more than ever uh increasing their representation in congress um there is still this uh sort of physical sexual social power that some men wish to exert over women and i think that can happen sort of increasingly when they see women sort of entering male spaces and becoming equal and there's like a lot of you know anger that mm-hmm. results from threat. that there's, there's like a, a backlash threat. there's yeah. a threat it's it, it's and, kind of like right. well you know i am i have my power and if anybody else gets power it's because they're taking it away from me right um and instead of sort of dealing with that in the way that we all do which is by you know studying harder <laughs> campaigning yeah. harder um they sort of use the threat of sexual violence yeah and feel justified in doing so in many cases mm-hmm. so right. um yeah it 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 you know again we have thousands of years of patriarchy and entitlement that have led us to this point in our history and because we're we're talking about these issues now and because we have you know a lot of them out in the open and we're having a discussion like this and articles like Emily's and yours um we tend to think that we're more enlightened but i think unfortunately it's still a very small percentage of our population that really feels that sense of of enlightenment about these issues and uh, do you disagree with me on that um you know i think there is sort of you know, even though you and I have a few disagreements, we're essentially in this feminist bubble where we sort of understand, you know, what's going on. And I think it can be dangerous um, to think that that these conversations are really seriously affecting people around the country and around the world because I think some people are really closed off from them. But I also think that as we have national conversations about these really high-profile rape cases, many of them are happening in very small communities. Um, And I think that people can sort of start to see their own communities in those cases. And it doesn't necessarily take, you know, an understanding of feminist theory in order to kind of figure out how the protection of football players um, and the victimization of girls can have a negative effect on their societies. So I'm hoping that it changes. Um, I think we're having more and more conversations than at least I remember having sort of in my adult life. And it, that's changed over a kind of small period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm hopeful. Yeah. Well, and, you know, every it, these kinds of uh, social changes take long, long time um, to actually, um, you know, have a, a major effect on society. I mean, I'm talking decades. Um you know, you take, make those little chips, little chips, little chips, and then eventually, you know, you you chipped it away and sculpted something new. Um, I wanted to bring out just one more uh, resource for women who might find themselves um, in a situation where they need some support for uh, rape issues, and that is an organization called um, Survival by the Numbers, and it's an organization that helps. Um, um, bring attention to, um, you know, women who have been raped and and what they need to do and what they can do. And um, I think that it's uh, a significant organization, so it's Rape by the Numbers. And one of the things that uh, I did is actually posted on my Facebook um, a a quote, a sign uh, from one of the women that is uh, on that uh, or in that part of that movement and she uh, listed on her sign, um, gosh, I'm trying to click onto it here. I don't know why I'm so, uh, I, I'm like one step behind everything today. Um, <laughs> our, our weather turned kind of cold and sluggish. I'll blame it on that. Uh, but the the uh, picture from the uh, Survival by the Numbers uh, movement, they have women actually making signs and holding them up in front of their faces. And the one that I posted on my Facebook account says, but you were drunk. People I've told, four deans, two psychiatrists, five therapists, 
and one wonderful chaplain, but finally I feel me again. And I think that in this whole conversation, it's really important that we don't forget that people get hurt and people have to deal with their hurt. And um, it can be such a chore and such a life-altering chore um, that I want to make sure we don't lose sight of that in this conversation. So Mm -hmm. we get back to what do we do about it? Well, Amanda, I have an article by Rain, um, and I don't know whether you're going to agree with them or not. Rain is the um, nation's largest anti-sexual violence organization, uh, and it's also listed as one of America's 100 best charities by Worth Magazine. And they're a tremendously good resource. It's R-A-I-N-N, Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. So they have a little thing saying ways to reduce your risk of sexual assault, avoiding dangerous situations, safety planning, how can I protect my child from sexual assault, in a social situation, if someone is pressuring you, what can men do, and computer safety. But primarily, uh, you know, the very first thing on their list is avoiding dangerous situations. Mm Mm-hmm. Aren't we, in effect, saying, don't go get drunk? <laughs> yeah, um, but, you know, I I think when it comes to sort of rape prevention and when we're talking about campus rape and we're talking about most rapes that happen in the United States, they're happening among people that we know. Um, and so the most effective thing would just be to not hang out with men, um, which is not sort of something that we can do. Um, so... I just think it's so important for both preventing sexual assaults and also, you know, ensuring sort of the respect and health of the victim afterwards to really focus these conversations on men and women because they're drinking together, they're having sex with each other, they're having relationships with each other, um, and to sort of just speak to just one side of this um, is, I think, really short-sighted. Okay. Um, that's my personal opinion on it. Well, I think that's a good. I think it's a good, uh, good observation, Amanda. They also have um, eight tips to say, stay safe as you head to campus, and I really like these. Trust your gut and be true to yourself. If something doesn't feel right, it probably isn't. And I think oftentimes, uh, uh, especially women, we tend to poo-poo what our gut is telling us, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, trust your gut. I, I, I really like that as a preventative measure. Um, make others earn your trust. Don't just assume that there's security, you know, with someone else. You have to earn that. If you see something, say something. Be aware and stay alert. Make plans and be prepared. Party smart. Now, they're not saying don't drink. They're saying guard your drink, stick to drinks you prepared or yourself, keep track of what you consumed so you can stay in control. And uh, the last one, which I really like, is be a good friend. Watch out for each other, stick together, and if a friend is get, acting in a way that uh, is seems out of character, take notice. Right. And that can apply to uh, so many issues, not just drinking, not just partying, but, you know, be a good friend, and and that is a tremendous way to not only help, um, you know, yourself in what could be risky situations, but also to help others. Any final words for us, Amanda? Um, I guess to that point, I would just say that a lot of these sort of rape prevention tips are, you know, uh, social things that sort of needing to tell our kids from the moment they're born, which is to respect themselves um, and to have an understanding of themselves and to respect their bodies uh, to respect their friends um, and that they should be given to both men and women. Um, But also just sort of the idea that's sort of in Emily's piece that women don't understand the risks of drinking or that they're not sort of told not to drink, I think is ridiculous. (laughs) I think that's something that we sort of tell women all the time. Um, and and we're also sort of raised under the the threat and fear of rape as well. Um, so well, we always end yeah, our I don't show think she has with to a worry cup. too much. So okay. I think it's already happened. Thank you. 
Thank you so much, Amanda. Uh, we end our show with a quote, and uh, this quote today is, you save yourself or you remain unsaved, and that's from Alice Siebold. Thank you so much for joining us today. Actually, I wanted to add another little quote here um, that uh, was from Lori Hulse Anderson. I just want to sleep. A coma would be nice or amnesia. Anything to just get rid of these, these thoughts, whispers in my mind. Did he rape my head too? Um, and mm-hmm. I think that that's, you know, uh, uh, again, speaking to the effect of these situations. So, Amanda, thank you so much for joining us. I really enjoyed our conversation. I learned a lot. And uh, me too. And uh, I look forward to reading more of your work. Great job. Great. Thanks. Thank you. And thank you for joining us. Three Women, Three Ways. Um, Next week we're going to have another great topic. And again, if you go to our website, you can archive all or listen to all of our archive programs. And thank you for joining us. See you next week. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Jumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.